yeah, so over here you can see a whole heap of stuff that we've, we did during the week. Um, different, these are maps of uh, towns around our church, two church communities uh, that we prayed for. There's a world map. We prayed for unreached community groups. And uh, over here is the family tree where we prayed for people uh, that we, we love and care for, that they would return to the family of God. Oh, whoops. <laughs> don't, don't want to keep knocking it and people fall off the family tree, but um, <laughs> we'll pick them up later. Um, <laughs> but I was, uh, I was powerfully impacted um, uh, on Wednesday night when we gathered to pray for people who didn't know Jesus. I, was, I came ready to pray for other people, for God to do a work in other people, uh, but what I found was God did a work in me. Um, as I prayed for uh, friends and family, and as we're thinking about people around the world who, who don't know Jesus, I just felt um, a renewed sense of God's call to mission, that there is a world out there that is hurting, that's broken, and that needs Jesus, that needs the hope and the truth and the life that Jesus brings. And I just felt a burning conviction. I was even thinking about the people in my life friends and, and family I haven't seen for a while because I've been so busy as a pastor and I thought that's, that's not why I'm here. And so I was quite convicted and uh, with a renewed sense of the calling to God's mission, which is what tonight's sermon is all about, as we've heard. Uh, this comes at the end of a, a four-week series where we're looking at renewing. This year, we want this year to be a re- year of renewal, being renewed in our sense of belonging to God's people, belonging to God renewed in a sense of believing, not being just an intellectual exercise, but actually uh, a a whole life um, giving over, trusting in the work that Jesus has done. Renewed in a sense of becoming, that we would grow uh, spiritually and become who God would have us be. And tonight, renewed in in, in building God's kingdom, renewed in our sense of calling on God's mission. And so what I'm going to do... I'm going to, very ambitiously, going to share the story of God's mission through the Bible in five-ish minutes. Uh, we'll see how we go. And then we're going to zoom in into that passage in Acts, uh, where Jesus kind of commissions His disciples on that mission, and we'll zoom into that, spend a bit of time there to uh, think about a few uh, lessons we can gain. So, you're ready to go. All right. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. Out of chaos, He made order. From darkness, He made light. From nothing, He made everything. And He made everything good. Because He is good. And at the pinnacle, the the climax of His creation, He made human beings. And He made uh, men and women. He made made us in His image. In His image, not just in nature, but in purpose. That we would be His image, that we would reflect God, that we would glorify God, that we would magnify God. And He, he placed us in a paradise, in a garden, and, and, and gave us the opportunity to enjoy and celebrate uh, the good creation that He'd created. And he said that we could eat from any tree that we want and enjoy all the good things he had to offer, except 
the tree of deciding what is right and what is wrong. And the enemy crept in. A fallen angel who was proud and jealous of God's power and glory, he crept in and he corrupted humanity and made us proud and jealous of God's power and glory. And we ate of that fruit. We decided for ourselves what is right and what is wrong. And that brought a curse on humanity. What God called good, humanity has now made war because we've decided not to follow His way, not to decide what He says is good, but to decide for ourselves. And so, what, what God called good now is warped, is broken, is corrupted, is hurting. And the source of life, the source of all things good, we are now separated from. Humanity is given over to what we asked for. We decided not to go God's way, and we thought we knew better. We wanted to call the shots, and so God gave us over to that. He separated Himself uh, from us. He removed those people from that paradise. God is good. God is holy. He is is, uh, entirely um, complete and whole, and He cannot associate himself with what is evil. And so, because humanity chose that, he, he separated us from himself. And no longer do humans live as the, those images. That image becomes blurred, corrupted, broken. Our purpose is confused. No longer do we live to magnify, reflect, and glorify God, but we live to look at ourselves, to glorify ourselves, to magnify ourselves in this world. But God didn't end it there. That is not the end of the story, thank goodness. Uh, God uh, then had a mission in order to restore His people to the image of God, to restore His, His creation to what He had intended it for. And so, as the world got more and more corrupt and broken, there was a flood, there was a tower, all things going on. In, in amidst all that brokenness, God calls a man, Abraham, and He says, come follow me because I am on a mission. And His mission is to make a great nation out of the descendants of Abraham, to give them a great name, to bless him and his people, and that they would be a blessing. And that's what he promises Abraham, a great nation, a great name, and a great blessing. And through Abraham and his descendants, God set apart a people as his own to fulfill that mission of restoring them in his image, that they would reflect God to the nations, that they would glorify God, they would magnify God that they would be God's people, that would, they would bear His name, that they would bring God's blessing to the world. But there was still a problem. There was still a problem. Uh, this corrupt uh, brokenness was still, um, still a problem in God's people. Who, Even though God uh, restored them and, and called them, they kept on going their own way. They kept on deciding for themselves what is right and wrong. 
And so God set up a system of sacrifice in order that they could come back to Him, but they kept on messing that up. They kept on uh, denying what God had offered them and all the promises and the blessings they rejected, and so God gave them over to what they decided, and He punished them. He exiled His people, Uh, but He preserved a remnant, a a group that he, He maintained as His people to be on His mission. More was needed to be done in restoring God's people in His image. And so, God came down from heaven Himself in the form of His Son, Jesus Christ. He came down as the greatest agent in God's mission, Jesus. Jesus lived submitting to the will of the Father. He didn't choose for what was right or wrong Himself. He said, not my will, but yours be done. And God's will was that Jesus would take the full weight and wrath of that curse of sin, that curse of deciding what is right and wrong for ourselves, and the curse, the punishment, the, the justice, the judgment that's required for that. God's will was that Jesus would take that on, that he, so that Jesus died on a cross, and He paid the debt we owed. He endured the punishment we deserved. He took on the guilt that all humanity had. The mission of God led to the submission of the Son, and that was not mission over, because Jesus rose from the dead. One great act of sacrifice led to the greatest act of uh, glory of all time. He rose from the dead, defeating death, defeating the, the biggest problem this world has has to face and breaking that curse on humanity. So now humanity can be restored through Jesus. Through His death and resurrection, we are remade into the image of God. We're given a new life so we can live according to the purpose that we were created, that we would reflect God, that we would glorify God, that we would magnify God. No longer do we belong to God and become God's people by doing civil and sacrificial work. We belong to God, we become God's people by the work that Jesus has done. God's mission of restoring humanity into the image of God to reflect, magnify and glorify God is accomplished through the work that Jesus does on the cross and by rising from the dead. He's, it's accomplished through Jesus, who Paul calls the image of the invisible God. Victory has come, but the mission is still on. Because there's still a world out there of people deciding for themselves what is right and wrong, who need to come back to the God who created them, who are not living to the purpose for what they were created. And, and so they... they They need to come back, be restored to the God who created them, something that can only happen through the work that Jesus has done. And in the past, through the Old Testament, God's mission was completed through the Israelite people. In the Gospels, God's mission was completed through Jesus, and ultimately Jesus did the greatest act and the work for that. But now, in the New Testament times and beyond, which is the time we're in, how does God fulfill His mission? How is God working on in His mission? It's through His church. Through His church. 
Jesus created a following, established a new people for God's mission, not different to the one before, but fulfilling the one before, a people gathered around the person of Jesus in order to live to reflect Jesus to the world, to glorify Him, to magnify Him, and to live on mission while Jesus is on heaven waiting to come back and return and to complete and fulfill His mission once for all. And so, just before Jesus ascends into heaven, after having died and risen again, uh, Jesus ascends to heaven. But just before He does that, He speaks to His disciples and He commissions them on His mission uh, while, while He's in heaven with God. And so, that's the, the moment, the conversation we're going to zoom into. We've already heard it read by Mike, uh, Acts chapter 1. So, if you have your Bibles, open that up again, and I will too. Acts chapter 1. And we're going to refer to this passage, we're going to look at uh, if, if the church exists for the mission of God, how is it that we are equipped for that mission? What is our task in that mission? And what is the scope of His mission? Well, we read before, while the disciples uh, were talking to Jesus, they said, Jesus, are you going uh, to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Are you going to complete your mission? But Jesus says that, that's, that timing is not up to us, it's for the Father to know. You know, when Jesus returns and once for all establishes His kingdom, fulfills His mission. But He says, you, you will be my witnesses. You will continue this mission. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but I love spy movies. So you've got like, Get Smart, 007, Mission Impossible, all those kind of spy movies, Spy Kids, uh, <laughs> some of you may have watched. Um, uh, and there's always, without fail, there's always a scene uh, where, let's take uh, James Bond for, as an example, where James Bond goes to the basement of MI5, he's just had his mission briefing, he knows what he needs to do, he goes to the basement of MI5 in order to be equipped with the cool spy gadget he needs to fulfill that mission. And so it might be a, a watch that releases sleep gas, or a pen that doubles as a dart gun, or a ring that, you know, you press up against a window, it smashes the window, or a shoe that's also a phone, uh, which is actually from Get Smart. I got in trouble in this morning for getting that mixed up, which I did on purpose. But <laughs> they don't believe me. But what is it that God gives His church to fulfill His mission? What is it that God gives uh, Christians and, and God's people in order to fulfill His mission? It's the Holy Spirit. That's right. Jesus ascends to heaven, He goes to heaven, but He doesn't leave His disciples alone. He doesn't leave the church alone. He sends His Spirit. Uh, he, Jesus said uh, to His disciples, you've already been baptized by John, but you, soon you'll be baptized by the Holy Spirit. You'll be filled by the Holy Spirit. And that Spirit will give you power, will give you power for my mission. And the book of Acts is really the story of how God's Spirit worked through the disciples in God's mission. A lot of people refer to the book as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. 
as the Spirit gave the disciples power, filling them with confidence and boldness, giving them words to speak, giving them the ability to perform miracles and heal people and to speak in different languages and to uh, escape from prison and all kinds of things. Powerful acts of the Spirit. Now, I could preach a whole sermon on the work of the Spirit in the life of a Christian, uh, but we've got a few things to cover tonight. I had to wrestle with Mark how much I was going to include uh, in tonight's sermon, and let's just say Mark 1. So, I'm just going to share two things about how the Spirit gives us power for God's mission. Two ways, two things. The first, God gives us power through His Spirit uh, by giving us a Christ-like character, by transforming us. Right, we see that in the work of the Spirit in developing the fruit of the Spirit. Something we uh, talk a lot about in the Bible, in Galatians, Paul talks of the fruit of the Spirit, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, uh, and self-control. I think I've missed one. That's all right. The, these fruit is not for the benefit of the individual. Just think about a tree. If an apple tree produces apples, the tree does not eat the apples. Those apples, though, that this fruit is for the benefit of others. It's benefit of the, the birds or, the, or, or, or of people coming along or to plant new trees. The fruit is not for the benefit of the individual. The fruit of love, joy, peace, patience is not for the benefit of us as individuals, but the benefit of the people that were around. It's so that we could be a blessing to those around us. And so, by being trans, when we, when we receive the Spirit, when we believe in Jesus, and God gives us His Spirit, we're made into a new creation, we're given a new life that we could uh, live as God intended us. God fills us with His Spirit and transforms us. We talked about this last week, that as we dwell with Jesus, it's not the act of, of you know, doing all these different things and that transforms us, it's actually drawing in to Jesus, and Jesus is the one that transforms us. And His Spirit is the one that transforms us and produces in us that fruit so that we could live as God intended, that we could live to reflect God, to magnify God, to glorify God. And it is that Spirit, that, that fruit of the Spirit that enables us to live differently in a world of chaos and, and hurt and conflict, to live as a people of love, who are joyful, who are peaceful, are kind. It's powerful. That's powerful. In a world that's all about instant gratification, to, to live as a people who are self-controlled and patient, who are gentle, that's powerful. It's a powerful witness. And as the world around us sees God's people living this way, that's compelling that's compelling, compelling people to, to think about why are they different. And it's compelling people to consider who is this Jesus that they follow. As we reflect the character of Christ, that is a powerful witness. And so I wonder how often uh, Christians go out on mission and they go to you know, tell people about Jesus. How often are we concerned about our character, allowing the Spirit to transform us first, that we could exhibit God's character. You know, we, we might know of the, the Adelaide Street Preachers, and there's a, there's a group who, who are quite angry and um, harsh in their preaching 
in public on the street. And, and I just wonder, where's the love there? Where's the joy? Where's the peace? So we go out and we share the gospel. We share as someone, as an individual, that's character reflects Christ. He was, he loved, he was joyful, he was peaceful, he was gentle, he was patient. He exhibited self-control. And so we live differently. And so the Spirit transforms us, and that's powerful work of the Spirit. The other way that the, the Spirit works in us, in Christians, is that it gives us gifts, abilities, talents to use on God's mission. A Christian, again, when they believe in Jesus and are transformed, given a new life, given the Spirit, uh, we're filled with the Spirit, and the Spirit gives us gifts in order to serve God's mission. In Ephesians 4, uh, it talks of some of those gifts uh, of apostles, pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists. And often uh, we look at that and, and go, oh, gosh, they're good gifts, but oh, I could never be an evangelist, or, or I'm, not, I'm not a teacher, I'm, I don't have any of those gifts. But actually, the, what the Bible has to say is that everyone has a part to play. Uh, they're not the only gifts that the Bible talks about. In Romans, it talks about prophecy, speaking the Word of God into the life of someone. It speaks of serving, of helping people. It speaks of the gift of encouraging, encouraging. I love, I love it when people come to encourage me. And I'm sure you do too, when people come and encourage you in what you're doing and in, in how you're living, and it's so beneficial. If, you're, if you have the gift of encouragement, please come speak to me. I'd love to hear from you. And you can talk to other people as well. Um, there's the gift of teaching, the gift of giving and hospitality, of sharing a meal, of opening up your home, of going out uh, for coffee with people, of, of just talking and being there. There's the gift of leading, there's a the gift of mercy and of caring for people. These are important gifts the Spirit gives to people in order to serve His mission. 1 Corinthians talks about the gift of healing, the gift of administration, uh, the gift of, gift of helping, the gift of tongues. And he says the greatest gift of all is love, to love others. That's the gifts of the Holy Spirit that God gives to all Christians, that we could serve in God's mission. And not everyone is going to have the gift of speaking or not everyone's going to have the gift of administration, but both are needed in order to, to, to work and live on mission. And so we're all in this together. We all serve uh, and have our part to play in restoring people to be image bearers of God, to reflect God, to glorify God, to magnify God. And every, everyone has a part to play. You might think, well, what's my part? I can't, I can't be a preacher or, or be on band or whatever. God has a part for you to play in this, in this place. You belong to this community. And not only that, you have, a, you, have, you have something that you can be part of and do. And so I wonder, what is your gift? What's, what's the Spirit uh, gifted you in? And how could you use that to serve on mission in this community and beyond? And that brings us to what is our task on this mission? What, is, what are we meant to do? And now often, um, often I think the church overcomplicates things and gets confused. And I, speak, like, I speak about myself here, that when we, when we think about the people in our lives 
or, or people overseas and there's unreached community groups or there's, there's people that we, we look at and they're so far gone or, or they're so anti-God and we think, oh gosh, we, there's no way I could tra- you know, transform them and bring them into church and, and they'd be made new. There's no way I could do that. But that's not what we're meant to be doing. That's not our role. Jesus says to his disciples, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And he says the task, you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. And so the task of the church is to witness to what Jesus has done. And this is courtroom language. It's like in a scene, uh, in a courtroom scene where there's the witness speaking of a past event, witnessing to what has happened. And what has happened is that Jesus has died for the sins of the world, bringing forgiveness, and He's risen, bringing new life to anyone who trusts in Him. That is what we're witnessing to. That is what we're sharing. And so, our, our, our church, the role of the church is to, is to witness. I think, again, often we confuse this or we get sidetracked by so many other things. And one thing uh, I think the church is, is really guilty of is getting caught up in building up the church at the expense of witnessing to Jesus. That we get so caught up in, let's build up our community and really invest in our community and you know, separate ourselves from the world so that we don't get corrupted by the rest of the world. And we'll just build our community and build our church. We'll put on programs, we'll get a really big building and we'll just build this church. But the reality is, when Jesus was speaking to Peter, the, one of the disciples, when he said to Peter uh, about the church, he didn't say to Peter, uh, you will build my church. He says to Peter, I will build my church. Jesus is the one that builds his church. What he says to his disciples, the task of the disciples, is to go and make disciples, go and be my witnesses. And so the role of the church is to lead people to Jesus. Not to transform them, not to change them. We lead them to Jesus and leave it to Jesus to bring transformation, to bring healing, to bring renewal. And that brings us to the scope of God's mission. Who are we to witness to? And this is one of my favorite verses because I really think it challenges us in what we think uh, God's mission, who God's mission is for, where are we meant to go. And uh, in order to understand this, we need to put ourselves in the perspective of the disciples that Jesus was speaking to. Because Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And now for them, what is Jerusalem? Jerusalem is their home. It's where they're living. It's where their community is. It's where their family is, their, their close friends. And, they are, and for us, that's the people we're called to be on mission. Often, uh, the church, different people in the church talk about missions as, as being overseas or cross-cultural mission. But the reality is, you don't need to o- go overseas to go on mission. You could just cross the road or even cross the room. Our, our families... We're called to, to witness to our families. And often, our families and those close to us is the hardest mission field. And, and I, I know that. I'm 
I imagine lots of people here know that. It's a hard mission field, but we are called to be Jesus' witnesses to them. Jesus says, you'll be, be my witnesses in Judea. What, is, what was Judea to the first disciples? That was the surrounding town, the surrounding area around Jerusalem. It's like the state that they were in, the suburb, the province. And so that was where they worked. That was where their communities were. That's where uh, they went to go fishing or to play sport, if they played sport. Or if they, you know, that's where Jesus traveled around with His disciples. And so for us, where is our Judea? Where are we called to be witnesses? It's in our workplaces, in our universities, in, in our neighborhoods, on our streets, with this, the shops we go to, the, the sports we play, the, the ovals, the parks, the, the people we interact with. They are the people we're called to be God's witnesses. That's where uh, God's mission is. Then Jesus says, Samaria. And this is one that's particularly challenging. Because if you know anything about first century politics, is that uh, the Jews or the Israelites, the, uh, the disciples were, and Samaritans wanted nothing to do with each other. They wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans. They were, they were a people group that was rejected, they were racist against them, they, they wanted nothing to do with the Samaritans. And yet Jesus says, you will go and be my witnesses in Samaria. And so who are the people uh, in our lives today that society wants nothing to do with? I've, I was doing um, uh, mental health first aid training yesterday, and, which is really helpful uh, but one of the things we looked at was the mental health survey back from 2007 was the last time they did a big survey audit on mental health uh, in Australia. But the reality of that survey is that it did not include homeless people or incarcerated people, homeless or people in prison, which I think was a very sig- would be a very significant and important part of, of you know, looking at mental health. Uh, but they neglected those communities. And homeless people, people incarcerated, they're the people that Jesus says, go to them, be my witness to them. Bring hope, bring healing, bring the truth of the gospel, bring the truth of the good news of Jesus. Uh, I think another uh, community group that the church has, has really struggled with and actually been really cruel to is the LGBTI community that uh, the church is, instead of offering love and, and care and hope to them, uh, the church is guilty of judging them harshly and separating ourselves from them. And I think they are the community that Jesus is sending us to, to, to love, to bring hope and healing and to bring the truth. We're called to be Jesus' witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. On Wednesday night, we prayed. Uh, we had um, some prayer cards from Joshua Project, uh, which is an organization that looks at unreached people groups um, and the persecuted church around the world. And it was really confronting uh, looking at the top 100 or the least 100 reached communities. Uh, there's millions and millions of people in the 1040 window, which is a longitude and latitude reference of the area of um, uh, India, uh, Western China, uh, Middle East, 
millions of people who don't know Jesus. And there's no one in that community who would go and tell them about Jesus because there's no Christians there. And that's hard. And that's tragic. And often as a pastor, I'm asked, uh, what about those people? What about those people in the Middle East or in, in, you know, middle of Africa where no one goes, no one's able to go or no one has gone and tell them about Jesus? How are they saved? Well, God works in all kinds of different ways. And it's a really tough question. But part of the answer is that God has not done nothing. He has sent His church to those communities. So as His church, what are we doing? What are we doing about the unreached communities around the world? Uh, at the moment, obviously, international travel has become a lot harder. It was always tricky going into these areas, uh, but I think it's just another layer of difficulty. But that's what makes the mission exciting. That's what that makes being part of God's mission exciting. I'm really impressed with it. We've got... Um, We've got a couple from this community who is in uh, a, a country in that 1040 window that I won't say because this is being recorded, but they are living on mission in a people group that, that is like 0% Christian, and they're there uh, to be a witness to Jesus in that space. We prayed for them earlier today. Uh, we also, there's organizations like Miracle Connect, uh, who Craig and Kathy are involved with, who are doing really uh, creative investments into sharing and witnessing to Jesus through media and uh, through radio and all kinds of, of different ways in, in those areas. There's all kinds of different things and ways we could get involved. And maybe, maybe it would be us going to these areas. I wonder if there's someone here tonight that God is prompting you, you're getting that quiver in your liver, prompting you, is this God's call on my life to go to an unreached people group? Maybe it is. If, and if you want to talk to me about that, I'd love to talk to you about that. What are we doing about God's mission to the world? And of course, it's not just overseas. We're called to be on mission in our families, on our street, in our workplaces, in our universities. And in, in, um, in the, the people group that no one else wants to talk to. And it comes to uh, the challenge, the challenge of God's mission. Uh, because Jesus then uh, ascends into heaven after having this conversation with the disciples. And as he's lifted up, a cloud takes him from their sight. And they're left there, just looking up at the clouds, doing nothing. And a couple of men in white, or angels, uh, people say, come and go, what are you doing? What are you doing? Jesus ascended to heaven. He's going to come back. What are you doing? We're not here. Christians don't live in community in order to wait out until Jesus' return. We live in community that we could be sent out on mission and to bring God's mission to the world. We've got a job to do. We've got a mission uh, there's a guy in America who talks about the church not being a cruise ship, right? The church is not a cruise ship, that we come, we hear some cool music, uh, we hear a funny talk, and then we get served and have a nice meal, and then, um, and then go home or go back to work. Like, the church is not a cruise ship, it's a battleship. 
There's, it's, there's a spiritual war out there. We are on a mission. And so we gather in order to encourage one, each other, one another on that mission, in order to uh, spur one another on and to help each other in our, the, our mission fields. And it's not, just, it's not just a battleship. Another way of looking at it, at it is the church is not a hotel to come and be served. It's a hospital. It's a place uh, for the hurting, the broken. And so as we come to church, do we come to consume or do we come to commit to care for those around us, to care for the hurting in our community, to care for the hurting outside of our community? The church is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. The church is not a hotel. It's a hospital. The purpose of God's church is to be on God's mission. And so, what could we do? What can we practically do as a church tonight, today? Well, I've got three things, and I'll finish uh, with a story. So, the, the first thing we can do is serve faithfully. Right, there's heaps of opportunities to serve in this church. Like I talked before, the Spirit gives us gifts and different gifts in order to serve uh, on mission together. And there's all kinds of ways to get involved in the work and the mission of this church. You know, I'm here speaking to you guys, but the only reason you can hear me, the only reason you can hear me online is because we've got Anton at the back and Nick uh, working the sound desk and the projector. Uh, when we, you know, we're, we're going to have supper afterwards, if we want to be a place of peace and community and love, uh, to be able to have a meal and, and gather in community over a meal, uh, we do that because Craig and Kathy are cooking us supper tonight. Uh, oh, just Kathy, sorry. <laughs> it's good, Craig. Uh, there's kids and youth ministry. Some of you are involved in kids men and, and youth ministry, uh, witnessing to kids, teaching kids about Jesus. Uh, there's um, the welcoming team, which I, I think I like the frontline evangelists, the first experience of church, the first experience of Jesus that many people have is when they come to church and, and they see the smiling face of someone on the welcome team. There's an opportunity, there's opportunities all around us to serve in this church. So why don't you think about what are the gifts God's given me and how could I serve? You belong to this community and you have a part to play in this community. The next thing is partnering financially uh, because we're all in this together. Not, not everyone can organize uh, an event with a speaker uh, and, and, you know, to invite people to hear about Jesus. Not everyone can put on a church service by themselves um, uh, in order to, to share and to teach from the Bible. Not anyone can send someone over in, into an unreached people group, but we can do those things together. We can do those things together. And so as we think about being part of this community, being committed to God's mission here at Hills Baptist, part of that is partnering financially. And I'm not talking about giving money in order to pay the pastor's salary and to upkeep the building, but partnering together. You know, it's not just giving away money and not thinking about it anymore, but what, what as a church are we doing with, with our collective resources, with uh, the, the things that God has blessed us with? If we're committed uh, to the mission of this church, to God's mission, is our, is our budget reflecting that? Is, is what we're doing with our money and our time and our resources reflecting that? Our commitment to God's mission. 
it's obviously, it's not just this church. There's other mission organizations uh, to give to uh, as well. Uh, but so we can serve faithfully, we can partner financially, we can also reach beyond ourselves because it's not all about us, right? Uh, the church is the only organization that exists not for the benefit of its members, but benefit of those outside its membership. And so what I'd encourage you to do, and this is, this is difficult for me to say as a pastor, right? I'd encourage you not to overfill your calendars with church stuff. I was uh, working as an engineer um, a few years ago, and uh, I, uh, a friend of mine was running this networking, an engineering networking event, and she asked if I could help out, and it just happened to fall on a night that I didn't have anything else on, so I was able to help her out, and afterwards she said, Nick, thank you so much. It's so hard uh, to get you to commit to anything because you're so busy with church. And I thought, wow, here's this person I was praying for. Here's a person who I wanted to be a witness to, and yet I never had any time for her because I was so caught up in church things. That was a challenge. You know, often we, um, we invite people to, to all these different events and, and stuff that the church puts on, uh, but we, we never have time to go to, to the stuff our friends put on. And so a good policy to have is go to, the, go to their events before you invite them to your events. Because we want to establish that connection. We want to grow that relationship in order that we can be an effective witness to them, that we can share the truth of Jesus with them. So there's three things, serving faithfully, partnering financially, reaching beyond ourselves. Also, I should say, just to add to that, um, another great opportunity is joining a sports team uh, or getting involved with the CFS or, um, you know, think for yourselves, what, what different uh, communities could you be part of in order to live on mission uh, with them? Uh, has anyone heard of the evangelist Jay Johns? Jay Johns, a few people from the morning did. Uh, he's a British um, evangelist. He, uh, he's an a, um, Anglican bishop, uh, and he does uh, talks all around the world. And he was, um, he was traveling to Australia one time, excuse me, and on the plane, he sat ne- down next to this woman, and he said, hello, and how are you doing? What, what, you know, and they got to talking, and he said, what do you do? And she said, oh, yes, I'm an accountant. And you know, they talked about that for a while. Who do you work for? Oh, that's interesting. And then she says to him, oh, what do you do? Now, I can relate to J. John's uh, position as a pastor. Like, so explaining what my job is to people outside the, jur- the church is quite tricky. Uh, so I relate to his conundrum there. But what he says is he says, well, I work for a global enterprise. And she says, oh, you do? And he says, yes, I do. <laughs> We've got outlets in almost every country in the world. She says, do you? He says, yes, we do. We've got hospitals, homeless shelters, hospices, orphanages, schools. Do you? Yeah, we do. We do work in, uh, in social work, justice work, reconciliation work, education work. She goes, wow, that's awesome says, yeah, it is. We look after people from birth to death and beyond. She says, wow, that's amazing. Who do you work for? He says, I work for the church. Have you heard of us? (laughs) That's the purpose of God's church, to be on mission. We have a purpose as God's people. 
to bring healing to the world, to bring God's hope to the world, to restore the world in His image, people and creation. And as we invite people to be restored to the image of God, uh, we, we do that so that they would restore to being part of God's people, that they would belong to, to God and to His community. And as they belong, they would believe in the truth of Jesus. They would believe that Jesus died and rose again, and that would be a belief that would transform their life. And as they believe that they would become what God, uh, who God would have them become, they would become an image bearer of God, that they would reflect God, they would glorify God, they would magnify God. And as they become, they would build and be part of God's mission throughout the world. That's the cycle of discipleship. That's what being a Christian is all about. It's about belonging to God, believing the gospel, becoming who God would have us be, and building God's kingdom. That is our mission. Are we up for it? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that is by your grace we are saved, not by any work we do or anything any effort of our own, but by the work that Jesus has done on the cross. And God, we pray that you would equip your church on mission, that we would go out and we would seek people, that we would see people, we'd be observant about all the hurting that go, that's going on around us, that we bring your hope and your love to those people. We pray by your Holy Spirit that we will be transformed and, and be uh, transformed to the character of Christ and you would bear in us those fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that you would gift us and give us gifts and abilities in order to serve the church. You would help us find what gifts you have given us that we'd be able to use them to bless others and to serve others and to serve outside of our community. God, we pray, uh, I pray particularly for those uh, in our group who are in really difficult work situations, really hostile environments, in, in uh, really challenging workplaces or a challenging home, home life. And uh, God, it is so hard. It's so hard. So we pray for perseverance. We pray for uh, boldness. We pray for your spirit, Lord that we would be witnesses, even in the tough situations, that we wouldn't withdraw from that, but that we would persevere in a mission in those places, Lord, for your glory. And God, we pray for those who you are calling to be witnesses, not just in where you have us here, uh, but you're preparing us to go to unreached communities around the world. God, I pray that you would equip us, that you would grow us, that you would uh, spur in us that passion uh, to see you known throughout the world. And that we pray that you would open doors, that you would lead us to groups and organizations that can help us, that you would uh, open doors that we could get into those countries, that we could be, be witnesses. And particularly in, in, in hostile countries, hostile to Jesus, that we would find ways to serve and to be a blessing, and that would open up conversations, that we would see renewal and revival in the 1040 window, that we would see people being saved and being confronted by the truth of the gospel, that churches would be planted to grow, and that they themselves uh, be on mission in those communities. We pray this for your glory, Lord Jesus, because you desire the whole world to know you and to be saved. 
God, your heart burns for those, for the lost, for the hurting. And God, we pray you would give us your heart, you would give us your eyes, that we would live on mission, and we'd serve you on this mission. We bring you glory, and we pray for the day when you will return, and once for all, you will complete your mission, and we will be surrounded, uh, surrounded around you, surrounded by people of every nation, tongue, language, and people group. We look forward to that day. And God, we pray in the meantime that we would not be idle or complacent, but that we'd be committed to your mission. Here at Hills Baptist in Allgate and Bridgewater and, and, uh, and uh, around here, uh, but throughout Adelaide, throughout Australia, throughout the world. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.